Welcome to another edition of the Royal Alliance UK podcast, sponsored by Buzz and Sam's Recording Studio. My name's Matthew Turner. Thank you so much for joining us for episode 43, Another Year, Another Roster. I'm joined by my four co-hosts, Aaron, Martin, Ryan and Anne. How are you doing, boys? Good, thanks. Doing well now the ice has vanished. It's warm again. <laughs> uh, not bad. Um, pancake day. So, spent, spent half a day today making pancakes with my daughter and then the other half eating my own body weight in pancakes so you fast it <laughs> pretty much pretty much yeah sounds like a good day to me i've been doing pretty much the same but without a daughter um <laughs> uh we are going to hop into the news and then we're going to go into roster building that's us looking at the current roster keep tag resign and then looking at how we're going to fill the gaps from the players who are going to be leaving us and kicking off with the news the Lions have signed someone, yes, to a futures deal. The tight end, Elias Mack, he was a former number one tight end prospect in the country. During his high school days at Bishop Gorman, there's a piece by MLive about this by Kyle Minkey that came out just under a week ago. Um, he went to play to uh, at Notre Dame, was quite, uh, you know, did quite well at Notre Dame and then never made the... The roster at New Orleans went in, spent on time in the practice squad with the Saints, Steelers and Chiefs. But now he ends up here and will fight for a place alongside TJ Hawkinson, Jesse James and Hunter Bryant. Do Staley, the new uh, assistant GM and running backs coach, uh, he was asked why he chose the Lions. And his answer was that he started with a call by Motor City Dan Campbell. He said, I felt the energy through the phone. Yet another instance of Dan Campbell's knee, kneecap biting abilities attracting talent to this organization. Um, he was asked about the roster. He was asked specifically about DeAndre Swift. And he said he's been watching him since high school and, quote, he's got some special traits. Um, Eric Schlitt was watching a load of the interviews that other coaches were doing over the last seven days. And he said on Twitter, based on Deuce Staley and Anthony Leland's comments today, DeAndre Swift is seen as a three down back and they're planning on rolling with him a ton. So you should see his usage going up compared to last year, which I'm sure everyone would be delighted with. Uh, Anthony Lynn, as I mentioned, was doing an interview. He was asked about his thoughts on the whole roster so far, and he's called the Lions O-line the deepest unit. He thinks that the offensive tackle position needs a bit more depth, but he likes the interior guys. He said he met up with Jonah Jackson on the 10th, and he said he's a young and up-and-coming stud. I'm very pleased with what I've seen so far with this offensive line. Uh, and finally, just a bit on Matthew Stafford. He said he loved playing for Jim Caldwell. He had a good relationship with Matt Patricia, and how much do you believe that? And that Stafford has talked to Goff about settling in NLA and has offered his help with settling in at Detroit. So, boys, a lot to take in there, but Motor City Dan Campbell coming through yet again to, to bring another person on board. And 
if you've listened to Staley, I, I can't help but get excited. How, how about you guys? Have you seen the interview or interviews that happened? Um, I watched all of them and each, each one provided for me relatively different qualities, but all ones that I think Dan Campbell doesn't have, but that are going to complement uh, compliment Dan Campbell. Um, Anthony Lynn just, he just seems like someone that, well, actually all of them really too, apart from Dave Phipp, all of them seem like they're just going to calm guys down. They're going to be, you know, they're going to be the ones going through those X's and O's. They're going to be the ones getting the guys ready, prepared, looking forward to getting on the field. And then Dan Campbell's just going to come in, light a fire up their asses and get them out there. Um, and that, but that that's just kind of going off, off these press conferences that they all seem like relatively calm, well calculated, um, high thinking, um, thinking guys, um, not too much humor, not too much, um, messing around. Each one of them just kind of were given questions. They answered them, no messing around straight to the point. So, um, I, I'm really glad to see that MCDC is bringing, not just bringing in these highly intelligent, great football guys, but also people that are going to be complementing his qualities and his strengths, but also complementing his weaknesses. Yeah, I mean, I, from what I've got from it, I, I really, you know, obviously, Anthony Lynn, I've always uh, had a soft spot for him. I like him. like the idea that, obviously, we're going to try and get the run game going for him. Uh, so, I like pretty much everything I heard from him. And then uh, Aaron Glynn is probably the one I've uh, enjoyed listening to the most. Um, and what I've kind of got from the whole process um, is... You know, Dan Campbell reminds me a tiny bit. I don't know if I'm spot on here or completely off um, the beaten track with it, but uh, it reminds me a little bit of Bruce Arians in terms of like, you know, he's going to be the guy who um, is just there to motivate pretty much like, you know, that, the lads have been saying that he's going to be like a fuse. He's going to let the coordinators do their job and he's just going to decide whether they go for it or fourth down or, you know, go and give an arm around the shoulder of someone who needs a bit of a pick me up or give a boot up the ass to someone who needs that boot up the ass. So I kind of like that aspect. And if he's anything like uh, Bruce Arians, then we're going to be in for, for an exciting time. But uh, that's kind of what I've got from this process as you've got to get to learn them a little bit um, over the, the past couple of weeks and there hasn't been much to feed off but that's the kind of things that I've got from it I don't know if you know if you guys have either as well so that's about it really yeah there's there's not much more I can sort of add to what's already been said but I think the one thing I do like and it's so refreshing is I come out the other end of all these interviews and I feel like I know so much more about the people in question what's going on I mean we've just spent you know four years three years you know, getting told the same shtick every week, the same few fundamental words. And you feel like you don't know anything, what's going on behind the scenes. Whereas here, you can see the plan coming together. They're very articulate, you know, and you can buy into what they're doing because it's obvious they're very passionate. They're not going to, you know, just lead you, lead you around the block with coach spiel. They're going to tell you how it is. And I think that's the one thing I enjoy the most out of these. So hopefully, you know, that, that continues going forward. I think for me, it's, it just goes back to the same thing. 
it's all about the impact of this now. I'm, I'm happy with the the energy, but but that's the minimum we should expect of anybody. So, yeah, I'm I'm pleased, but let's see what 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 happens from this. We're going all in on this now, so let's hope it pays off for us. But yeah, signs are good initially. Another thing that I noticed when when listening to the mall is while each one had, like I say, has different qualities that are going to complement each other, they all, there are qualities that they did all share. Each one of them spoke about the intangibles. And when looking for someone, maybe Dave Fipp again himself did not, was was different just in terms of what they need and obviously what's needed out of him. But particularly Staley, Glenn, uh, Anthony Lynn, all of them spoke about intangibles. All of them spoke about um, how they deal with men, treating them like men. Um, all of them spoke about, particularly Glenn, I guess, but um, Anthony Lynn as well spoke spoke about that whole, no, we're not committing to a scheme. We're not committing to a way of doing things. It's all about where, what do we have and how do we set packages that utilise what we have to the best of its ability and that's just something like um, I, I just find quite refreshing um, in a way and something that for me is going to be quite interesting to see going forward. And we might not know even even until most of the way through the season what they actually see as the best packages for the talent. This is going to take a lot of um, a lot of evaluating and a lot of coaching and a lot of watching people to really see what we've got and how to use it best. But those sort of things that were consistent throughout everybody and also consistent throughout Dan Campbell's interviews and what Dan Campbell's been saying, that clearly, while I say they all have different ideas, they all have different qualities, each one of them is kind of singing off the same sheet. Um, in, the, in the areas that for me right now, they're, they're what matters going forward. Yeah, I think the thing for me is, compared to the previous regime, Quintricia was like the worst kind of politician. They'd, they'd answer a question that wasn't asked, or they'd say the most dull, banal thing that's like, go away, I don't want to speak to you, or I'm going to say something which means absolutely nothing. Whereas these guys are pretty much saying nothing as well, but they're saying it in a kind of open and an engaging way. And in a way that makes me confident that actually the whole time that this regime's in place, I think they're going to be this way. There's going to be lots of press conferences and they're going to come forward and say what they actually think about things. And we're going to come away like, um, like Aaron just says, not actually knowing what the best thing is that they're going to put on the field, but they're confident that they're just going to choose what the best thing is to go out there and it's going to be different from week to week. We still don't know anything, but at least... It feels like we we can buy into what they're doing. They're kind of including us in the journey. Yeah, you just actually just used the exact word I wanted to use is that we feel a little bit more included or that we, you know, that you have a little, you know, that you're a part of it a little bit more. Under Patricia, it was like, you know, it was just it was just closed doors to everyone. I mean, the geese were picked on the media even when he was there, you know. So it's uh, it's definitely a different regime. It's a definitely a different step in direction. And the talk has been good, you know. Okay, there hasn't been a lot that could get you overexcited, but, I mean, it's been, on the whole, it's been a lot more positive than what it has been over the past three years uh, under the previous uh, regime. But, um, yeah, you know, 
it'll get come to the point as it does with anything that enough of the talk and time for action. So, you know, while they've, they've kind of got off to a good start like that, they need to, um, you know, make sure that they back it up with uh, performances and building uh, better players and a better team, you know, for us. I think if you, uh, you know, if you follow the lines for a number of years, you, you know, it just feels like we've had a number of false dawns and it's like, you don't want to commit to it fully thinking it's going to happen this time without being burnt. So I think we're looking for the signs are all there. That it's going to be positive. That it's going to be different to before. But I think, you know, if we reflect on how we felt when Matt Patricia came in, you know, I think we all thought that was going to be the next step. So let's see the step there, you know, what's been said so far is really positive. So let's, let's carry on getting behind them and see, see where, we, where it takes us. Completely agree. Right. Without further ado, I think we're going to move on to the roster building and I'm going to hand over to Ant to take us through it. Yeah, cheers for that, Matt. Um, yeah, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Roar of the Lions roster builder, in which I myself have asked the guys to, um, I've tasked them with assembling the build of next year's roster, how what they'd like to see that for the next season, the players they'd like to bring in, who they're going to cut. So basically what I've done, I created a document which included everyone on the team this year, even if they're heading into the free agent market and anyone who counts towards the cap next season, um, what their cap hit is going to be, what the dead cap hits are going to be pre-June, post-June, just to give them an indication of what sort of money they have to work with. So yeah, with the aim, quite simply, is to create a roster who you want to see with the Lions next season, although it needs to be sensible and within reason. So with that in mind, I gave them a few rules to follow when compiling these rosters together. So they were able to use the draft to make additions to this roster. However, to avoid things getting too complicated, as we're just doing this more of a bit of fun here, they're only going to be allowed to use the draft picks that we have this year instead of doing trades and that is probably for the best because I've seen some of the guys mock drafts and they include more wheeler dealing than Del Boy in Peckham Market on a Monday morning so yeah they're going to stick with the six we had initially so those are picks 7, 41, 72, 88, 102 and 136. The picks need to be realistic to the rounds they're picked in so no picking Mika Parsons, Jalen Waddle, Peni Sewell all together, etc. There needs to be reasoning behind your picks. The free agent market is available to use, but you do have to keep your finances in, in mind. You can't be cutting the likes of Victor Bolden and Jalen Reeves maybe and replacing them with Chris Godwin and Patrick Peterson because, quite frankly, <laughs> that is not going to be very financially viable. So I've given them a bit of leeway. You don't have to stick rigidly to the restrictions. If you're a few million over here or there, then I'm not going to be too fussed about that. Um, the only thing really is you've got to decide what you pay the free agents. And again, you've got to make it realistic to what their value is likely to be next year. Plus, you do have the franchise tag available. And to help with the cap issue, they've been allowed to select two players who you can cut post-June cut deadline as often more than not um, values of dead cap go down a lot so you can save a lot more money in effort to try and get a few new players in which i think the line do need a few of the only thing the guys have not really been allowed to do in regards to this is trade players we're just trying to keep it a little simple and to be honest i 
don't think there is the biggest amount of tradable assets anyhow on this team. So it's probably not going to be missed too much. So what we've done, we've gone on the projected 180 million cap budget for next season, just for the purposes of this roster build. Um, again, you don't really have to stick rigidly to it. So um, it's just more of a more of a barometer for what the guys have been uh, using when uh, spending all their money on the team. So what we're going to do, we're just basically going to go through each positional group round by round. Uh, we're going to go around myself, Aaron and Matt to see what we have done because we're the ones um, who've had a bit more time at home to build these rosters together. We'll go through there, see what we've done, see what the differences of opinion are. And then we'll invite Ryan and Matt into the conversation. Ryan and Matt, sorry, Ryan and Martin into the conversation so they can uh, also air their views about uh, what they'd like to see with the Detroit Lions next year. So I'm going to trust that all of you who have done this have been financially prudent because, you know, if we start doing the economics of every player, this pod's going to take hours. So for those of you who have done the rosters, all I'm going to need from you is when you bring up a draft pick, just say which number you've used so I can keep track to make sure you've not drafted too many players. And if you signed a free agent, the contract you give them just again so we can see that you're following the sensible rules with that one um those rules were simple enough weren't they matt and aaron uh, yep yep all good right yeah so without further ado we're going to go straight into it so we're going to start on the offense and we're going to start with the quarterbacks so if we take a look at what we have next year on the Roster. So obviously we've got Jared Goff, who's going to be our starting quarterback more than likely. We've got him in the trade as you know part of the trade from Stafford to the LA Rams. He's going to be with us for the next four years as it stands. Backing him up, we've got Chase Daniel, who's on the second year of his three-year very vastly inflated deal here with us. And then we've got David Blau, who is the backup QB, usually on the practice squad, but I know we have spent a lot of time protecting him this year. So I'll go around the room. Matt, what have you done in terms with the quarterbacks? Have you sticked with these or have you drafted another QB? Are there any free agents in there? I have kept Goff and Blau. I've cut Daniel and I have picked up a free agent, Mike Glennon, formerly of the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, on a $1.5 million contract. So compared to Chase Daniel, that is, including dead cap, a saving of $800,000. And I think that's an upgrade at the backup quarterback position. Aaron, what, if, uh, what, if, what does your uh, quarterback department look like for next year? Right now, it's looking pretty much the same. So you've kept all three as they stand? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I've done the same for this one. I know Chase Daniel is on a hell of a lot of money for what he's for his ability level, and I hope there might be a situation where there is sort of like a you know draft of free agent, you know, like a Jordan Te'amu type guy who we can bring in as the third. Because honestly, I wouldn't really be upset if Blau was the backup for this year with us in a rebuild. I think we can save money and put the. Uh, put the budget elsewhere there. So if if there is a chance to get rid of Daniel, I think uh, I think we should definitely try and do it and save up some money. Um Ryan, is there anyone who's on your eye this year, sort of at the quarterback position? Are you are you happy rolling with Jared Goff or would you like to see us pick up someone in the draft, in free agency? What what are your thoughts regarding the QB situation next year? 
Um, yeah, I think um, I would personally, um, I personally be yeah, obviously we stick with Goff, got a role with him, and you know, I, 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 I was just trying to have a look exactly and see who's uh, available next year. I, I wouldn't be uh, thrilled about getting Mike Glennon in there. I uh, personally, I don't think that that's any more of a backup, uh, a better backup than Chase Daniel. I think that you know at least Chase Daniel can run. Um, you know, to get himself out of a little bit of trouble. But, uh, you know, I was just about to have a look, but um, I didn't really get a chance there, to be honest with you. But otherwise, it would be pretty much unchanged as it stands right now. I, I wouldn't be excited about picking up Mike Glenn, even if it was on a reasonably friendly deal of $1.5 million. Uh, yeah. Martin? Martin, anyone, anyone in the uh, draft who uh, picks your eye at quarterback, or are you happy to run with Goff for now and see what we've got now he's out of uh, McVeigh's system in L.A.? I think run with well. I looked at a few things for this year. I thought pretty much I I would say run with Goff, but there are some options obviously that I would cut Chase Daniel as well. Um, that's a saving of two point two five million. Um, I would do that and look at either um, a lower draft pick QB or or something in free agency there. Um, I don't think he's he offers a great deal, Chase Daniel anyway. Um, but if you if we think about if they if we do decide to go for a QB at seven, I think the options probably potentially Justin Fields, but then you know everybody always says Ohio State don't produce great QBs, so you know it, it's if you I think if you're going for a QB, I would try and trade up for one, but I don't think we've got the I don't think this draft um, is is overly brilliant outside of the top top one in terms of QB. So I would keep the power to drive QB, try and run with Goff because I'm a huge contract. Um, and I would stay uh, stay out of QBs drafting-wise anyway. Um, I think if we were trading up, Miami look a good option at three, but then you still not, I still don't feel we're going to get the, the best QB at three there. So I think he goes first, doesn't he? So, yeah, I would drop Chase Daniel and either pick somebody up in free agents cheaper than that or look at a lower draft pick. Yeah, I think we're all sort of really on agreement there, aren't we? Obviously, Jared Goff is here to be the starter, I think, and we need to give him at least a year outside of that, you know, outside of the system to see if there is a little more to his game and whether he was been held back or not. But yeah, I think also the common consensus, Chase Daniel goes, I think is correct. I think he showed last year that he's he's no better than Blau, and I think in terms of money-wise, you can you can certainly put that money elsewhere. But um, yeah, anyhow, we'll move on. So next we're going into the... Running back department, so as it stands next year for straight-up running backs, obviously we've got DeAndre Swift, our draft pick from last year, broke out towards the end of the year, and I think we can all agree he's going to be a huge player going forward. Um, Adrian Peterson, I've left him on here just because technically he has been with us and he hasn't signed elsewhere yet, although it does look like he may be going elsewhere for a ring if his Insta posts are anything to go by. And then we've got on Johnson, who's obviously in the last year of his rookie deal now. So, Aaron, I'll start with you first this time. What, what's your running, room, running back room looking like for next year? Um, I've not got Peterson coming back, but I've got, obviously I've got DeAndre Swift um, and Carryon Johnson both staying. Um, I've not got in any replacements. Um, I, I've not had the time to start looking at who I'm getting in, I've not had the time. Um, but 
Oh, well, it's that, and also I like to focus on cutting people at the moment. That was that's rough fun. Um, I don't know why people complain towards the end of August about it, but no, I I've just not got I've not got Peterson resigning. I've got yeah. Sorry. In terms of the room back, then would you, would you be looking at the draft for another one, or just picking one up in free agency? No, I'd be looking at any... free agent. I'd be looking at free agency. Some get trying to get someone similar to AP, good vet on pretty much vet minimum to come in. Be a third down maybe guy or something like that. But just, just to kind of again be there as support for Carry on Johnson and DeAndre Swift. Um uh, but as uh, that's on the proviso that DeAndre Swift does go on to be the number one back. Yeah, it's uh, it's a big year for him, and with Anthony Lynn's system coming up, I think it's going to be a, a huge a huge prove it year for him. Matt, now that you're done, I believe celebrating a Liverpool goal over at Leipzig. Uh, what's your running back room looking like for uh, for next year? I have also uh, not re-signed Peterson. I have Swift and Carry On, and I have taken a running back in the draft. So I have taken at number 71, and I was surprised I got in this low, but I've managed to do it twice. So I'm going to put some stock in it through the PFF mock draft uh, tool. Um, I've picked up Najee Harris, the running back from Alabama. He is a fantastic talent. Um, it, one of Alabama's best running backs of all time. The current season just gone. He had 13 games for 2,776 yards and 34 touchdowns. Um, and he'd slot in as the RB2. And I think carry on would, would come in possibly on third down. So that's how I see my running back room. That's quite interesting that I, I was able to think last year was the first time I really started watching college football given how good Alabama were, there was a lot of exposure to him. And you are right. He, uh, he does look quite a good prospect going forward. So I don't think we'd be saying no. We'd have a hell of a running back. Go um, on, so what, one of the things I do want to add in there as well is just one of the reasons I'm keeping carry on Johnson is one is on his last year, can keep it in. But going off what Deuce Staley said in his press conference, and he said, look, if it, what the first thing he wants out of running, running back is to block. And if you can't, Blockers are running back, you aren't playing under Drew Staley. So to have Kerry on Johnson, who was a brilliant blocking running back last uh, last season, is something I think Drew Staley might be licking his lips at and really wanting to to hold on to if if he continues that sort of form as well. Yeah, that's agree. I think we can agree. Kerry on did well that year. So yeah, I'm doing the same I'm keeping carry on Johnson I think especially like you say for his blocking ability but he is in his contract year as well so hopefully we may see a fired up guy who's going to come out try and you know prove the rest of his doubt was wrong and get himself well paid when the end of the year is done so hopefully we get to sort of see the best of him through that um, obviously we're keeping Swift because he's going to be absolutely you know central to an Anthony Lynn-led offense and I think we're going to see amazing things from him this year I think certainly going to be trying to pick him up in fantasy as high as possible um, and I've also been with you guys I've let Peterson go I think he's made it well known that he wants to go elsewhere for a ring but in his replacement I have gone into free agency and I picked up Philip Lindsay on a two-year deal for roughly about seven or eight million if that is possible 
that is over the two-year period, so about three, four million a year, depending on what we can get for. I like him. I think he's been underutilized in Denver, and I think he just gives us a little bit, little bit of a different feel for a running back compared to what we've already got. We've got a big bruiser in Swift. We've got a blocker there. We sort of want a guy who can play out wide a bit. You know, utilize as another receiver. I think he's he'd be a good option, and I think it'd make a really good running back room for us there. So I've I've been high on that one for a little while. So I'm going to get him in and see what he can do. Um, Martin, running backs next year. Are you happy with Swift Johnson, or are you uh, are you definitely looking to bring some more high profile signings in, or maybe in the I draft? Would, yeah, I'm happy with Swift and Johnson, but I would like to use a free agency on. Um... I'm picking up someone here. So, again, Peterson did a job, I think, this year. Um, so, someone around about the same cap hit. Now, looking at looking at the free agency list um, for running backs, I quite like Mike Davis, Carolina. Um, I only really paid much attention to him because, obviously, I had McCaffrey as my uh, number yeah. one draft pick. <laughs> so, uh, he did a great job standing in for him. Great receiver of the ball. Um, so I think he would he would come in and do a decent job there as well as supporting Johnson and Swift. Yeah, no, that's definitely a good shout. He stepped in very well for McCaffrey, and he looks like a good player. So yeah, definitely on board with you on that. Speaking of your, your first round fantasy picks, would you would you consider taking Swift there this year, given how uh, he's going to feature in this offense and how many touches they say he's going to get? I think I tried. I think I took him in the last one and then let him go. <laughs> after that first game and then scrambled all the time to try and get him back, but he was never, uh, never back on the list. But yeah, I made a bit of a mistake there. Um, but I think he's going to be, he from, from all the conversations that are being said, it looks like he's going to be heavily leaned on, isn't he? So um, we saw great flashes of him in games last year. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he grows under this new uh, uh, management as well. Yeah, I, th I thank you for that. I was the one who picked him up. So, yeah. yeah, I got some good production out of him, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately, he had that concussion at the vital time when I was playing Ryan in the final. So um, that wasn't great. But yeah, Ryan, what, what are you thinking for running backs this year? Is there anyone who catches your eye? Do you want to stay with what we got? Bring Peterson back. Well, I mean, to be honest with you, um, it's, it's all been covered here. It's been covered really well, I think. But um, I really like the Philip Lindsay call. I think it's, you know, that if the right contract's available to pick him up, I wouldn't be against that. Um, you know, uh, Johnson, as it's been mentioned, um, he's, uh, you know, done a great job at blocking last year. That is needed. Um, I don't think his production has been very good at all during his career at the lines for actually just running but um, you know obviously he pretty stays but I do like the idea of taking um, someone in the draft personally um, you can always pick up some really good running backs especially later on in the draft so I'd be open to using a pick on that but um, in terms of people you like it's maybe it's down to the amount I've played Madden over the years and he's done well for me but um, I know he's got a dodgy knee as well a little bit but Todd Gurley is available he was signed for five and a half million last year that's obviously not going to wash for Detroit next year but um, if he could be done on a decent enough deal I wouldn't be um, against that, especially with his relationship with uh, Jared Goff, um, I'd be quite uh, you know pleased to see how that goes. And maybe if you were kicking the tires on someone, considering that he signed for one million dollars 
Um, and although he produced very, very little, um, but he can obviously um, uh, maybe turn back time is uh, Le'Veon Bell, who was picked up for one million. But that obviously would be a hell of a risk. But Michigan guy uh, coming back, you know, he might just be someone that you could get to buy in to what uh, Dan Campbell wants you to do. And he's a dual threat, but love Swift. And like you say, he'll be a high pick in the draft fantasy next year. Definitely when we're all doing it again, I think we'll, we'll all be... Uh, waiting to take him, yeah. I'm looking here at the moment, actually. Uh, Mark Ingram, who will be what 32 33 next season, as uh, not too expensive but a relatively cheap option, uh, at that position, so probably a couple of million a year. Um, and also for a one off one year, um. Not my desired option, but it'd be dirt cheap and provide a lot of experience. Frank Gore. It, it, he was just at the Jets for vet, uh, for vet minimum, so could potentially, could potentially, you know, just sign another deal and see out for a couple of years at, at that sort of price. So one option that I've just seen that's available uh, is Marlon Mack. And so he was at Indy last year and he broke out in 2019. And he was going to be the lead back this year. I know Jonathan Taylor came in as a heralded running back, but Marlon Mack was actually going to be the lead back to start and he blew out his knee in week one. Um, but he was someone going in the first couple of rounds of, of fantasy on the back of being, you know, a really productive running back. He's 25 years old and PFF suggests that he could be picked up for a one-year prove-it deal while he rehabs his knee for $2.5 million for a 25-year-old. And... I can't think of anything better than that, to be honest. I was yeah. going to say, you know, I, I think for, for me, one of the, my thoughts when we talked about this was that it, if this is a retool, like we've been told it is, then I want to go big on the draft picks in with the defence and also our, what free agency spend we're going to have, strengthen that D-line, because I don't think we've got too bad of an offense or certainly we've got more more pieces in that offense that we can build around than that so uh, my thinking you know is that we go heavy on the uh, on the defense and then try and strengthen that and, and over the years um you know over the next three years say really develop the team around those players yeah i mean i really like the marlon mack um call actually i, I totally slipped my mind that one um obviously because he got injured i think literally week one i think last year he done his achilles didn't he so um i know his, his knee or something but um mark ingram yeah i mean mark ingram would be a good value for the price um i think mark ingram kind of just you know got injured, couldn't really break his way back into that team because they had so many good running options in Baltimore. So um, there is, um, there is, you know, so that's definitely something you could take a look at. I think what's great about the running back situation is that there's always a good vet available and you can usually get them on a good deal. So, you know, um, if there's someone special in the draft in the later rounds, then yes, I suggest you go and do it, especially when you consider the success that our, um, our, uh, our new GM has had in, in, in helping the Rams, uh, who are a run-heavy team, build a, like uh, uh, through. So, um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm open to all options, but I always do like having a veteran presence in there as well. So, and, because I don't want to overuse Swift because I've got just this bad little feeling that we might need to protect him a little bit. You know, he's a 
small, he's a bit of a smaller guy. So, you know, I think that, you know, too many knocks, it could really um, damage him. And supposedly um, when he got a little bit of a brain injury last year, it rocked him a little bit, his confidence. So that's the last thing we want to be seeing is him getting uh, beaten up too quickly. Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting, you know, to hear everyone sort of chatting around. I think that's why I quite wanted to do this, just to see what everyone was thinking. I think, obviously, the consensus between us all is Swift is the guy, and hopefully he's going to have his big breakout year now. I think we all know that Kerryon Johnson does bring something to this team, and we are sort of desperately hoping that he can get into that starting you know, that starting role and do be more productive with his running. And I think, yeah, there's definitely room for a third guy there, and it's it's... it's you know, interesting to see a few going trade, few going draft. But yeah, hopefully we can get someone in because I think we are going to rely on the run a lot this year. And like you say, Swift does need to be protected. But um, yeah, anyhow, we'll uh, we'll move on now. We'll go on to um, the offensive line. So there's a few on this. So I'm just going to go around the room with um, Matt and Aaron just as to what the picks they've made on here. And then we'll have a big conversation about the O-line on the end. So we'll start with our tackles. So... Going into next season, we've got Taylor Decker as our left tackle, Tyrell Crosby starting right tackle. We've got Halibu Levati Vitae, con- you know, contentious amongst some, Matt Nelson and Dan Skipper providing the backup there. So, Matt, looking at your tackle situation, I know it's been said recently by the coaches they need a little bit of depth on the O line. Have you made any major changes there, drafted anybody in, or is it sort of same as goes currently uh, I've made a, a couple of minor changes but nothing massive um, just at the tackle position we're doing aren't we so keeping oh, yeah. keeping Decker keeping Crosby keeping Vitae um, although might shuffle Vitae to guard we'll see uh, Nelson I'm going to keep his back up I was impressed with him considering it was his second year playing tackle after being converted from the D-line um but I am also drafting someone in as, as backup. So with pick 152, our final pick in the draft, I have taken Brady Christensen of BYU. Um, he is, let me get this up. I don't have it up. I think he is the number one ranked PFF tackle last year. Um, it's suggested that he might have to shift into guard, but he's a he's a terrific guy, especially to pick up in in the fourth round. So I'm I'm delighted to have him in, and I think it provides a bit of versatility in several positions, much like Vitae could play guard or tackle. Yeah, I think I've done pretty much the same as you've done there. I've obviously kept Decker in, I've kept Crosby and I'm going to die on the hill that Tyrell Crosby is going to be the next franchise right tackle for us after his progression last year. Hopefully, with it being his contract year, he can progress the same and then maybe take on Vitae's contract at the end because we can deal Vitae for cheap after this year is done. Nelson, I agree with, I think, considering where he's come from and the transition he's had to go through, I think he's played very adequate backup um, this season and I would like to see him come back again to do similar because he can play along that line. He'll give everything for you. Really good in the past game. I think it's just the run game where he needs to step up his game a bit. And like you, for the fifth guy, I've also drafted in, but I've drafted in with the fourth round pick, Adrian Ely, who's an offensive tackle from Oklahoma. He's a guy with sort of a really impressive frame. 
and his grappling work makes it really difficult for edges to separate. That's something you want in your tackle. You don't want your edges getting past him. And I think the thing with him is he needs a couple of rotational years in which suits me because I don't want another starter into supplant Crosby after the year he's had, but a couple of years down the line when he's rotated in, I think um, he will do really well for us. And it just gives us that depth that we're looking for. It just gives us a bit more than Dan Skipper does. So unfortunately, he's toast. Um, Aaron, tackles, anything major on your uh, draft board? No. Um, and I don't want what I say next to be any sort of, this is where I want to go with it. But I was teetering on... Tyrell Crosby just because of the the rumours that he might not be around next year that wasn't um, that's not me saying I want Tyrell Crosby to go I don't I want him to stay but I was thinking, just wondering there as, as I was going through my cuts wondering why um, wh- whether I could save myself a couple of million there and look a bit smart in the future but I've not done that um, so right now no however I would be looking to, whether it be late on in the draft, uh, probably late on in the draft, just add that little bit more depth, preferably in behind Tyrell Crosby at right tackle. Um, just, yeah, j- j- just for that little bit of support. And I think we can get that appropriately in the fifth round-ish of the draft this year. We can get that that support that, that that might just be needed here here and there during the season, and it'd be cheap as well. Yeah, yeah, no, that 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 uh, that sounds sensible in regards to that. Um, all right, I'll just quickly go through the other positional bits on the O line, and then we can get everyone involved in the conversation. So, at centre, obviously, we've got Frank Ragnow, um, Akeem Hicks's dad there, who's going to get paid huge in 12 months time and then we've got Evan Brown and Russell Bodine backing him up both on minimum deals I'm assuming you know put your hand up if you've got something else on this but I'm assuming there's going to be no changes to the center situation there no no I didn't think so I think Frank Ragnar is going to get paid a hell of a lot soon and hopefully it is by us Uh, then we're just looking at the guards so obviously we've got Jonah Jackson returning for his second year really good year last year Ode Abushi I was really unsold on him to start with, but he seemed to get better as time goes along as the season went on. And then we've got Logan Stenberg, who we didn't see from the draft last year. And we've got Joe Dahl. And then obviously Vitae does cover in there. But um, Matthew, for guards, what have you done in, in regards to next year? Have you brought in a little bit of help? Or are you hoping that maybe Stenberg and Abushi, you know, sort of take the mantle and make that spot their own? So my my draft pick that I mentioned earlier, it's suggested that he's going to have to shift to guard. So whether he plays guard or tackle, he'll provide the versatility there. I have cut Joe Dahl, and it's not because I don't think he's done well, but he saves 2.8 million by cutting him. And I just don't think we can afford to pay someone of Joe Dahl's standard 2.8 million. So... If we can re-sign him to a cheaper deal, I'd like to bring him back. But at the moment he's gone, I'm not re-signing Abushi. He's going to be walking. Otherwise, I'm keeping Stenberg, despite whispers that he had a really, really poor year last year. Um, fingers crossed he can pick it up with a more competent coaching staff. So 
those are my guard spots. Fair enough, Aaron. Have you um, drafted anyone in, got anyone out of free agency, or are you also going to go with the uh, the rookie pair from last year? Uh, I'm going. I, I, I'm leaning with them. I think um, they're young enough to to just just to see progression. You, I'm I'm kind of looking at. I'm I, I, well. Sorry, no. I took a glance at the the prospect of maybe again getting someone in on the offensive line as a bit of backup again um, in the draft. I, I, I if I was to look at getting in anyone for the O line right now, I'd be looking at the draft and someone you can build up who'll be there in a few years and and be and be good because they're just bringing someone in right now who's. Getting either getting on a little bit or hitting a really good stride, you end up going to pay him a lot of money for. Let's let's the difference they're going to make up is going to be made up by a rookie on a really cheap deal. So at the moment, it's still the same. But if I was looking to add anybody in, um, I, I I've also obviously I've got Abushi going and I've got uh, not well so not got Abushi not coming back. But yeah, I'd be looking if if anywhere to get that support again in the draft potentially. Yeah, it's with the draft. It's a bit of an odd one because obviously we've got a lot of positions of need, and I possibly wouldn't put guard up there so much. So I've gone with bringing everybody back this year. I do agree with Matt that Joe Doll represents a lot of money for a backup. But should anything happen? to Jonah Jackson or Logan Stenberg or Abushi or, or Vitae, whoever we bring in. I think it is nice to have him there, but if we could negotiate maybe a lesser deal with him, I'd feel a bit more comfortable. But anyhow, um, Ryan Martin, sorry, we've kept you out of that for a few minutes while we go through. Ryan, in regards to the O-line, what, what are your thoughts going into the new year? Are you quite happy with where it's at? Or I know the right guard position and Vitae you've not been too impressed with, which is understandable. Is there any major changes you want to make on that O-line going into next year? To be honest with you, I think that it was probably one of the strongest points of our season was the O-line and the progression of quite a few players. Um, Crosby was absolutely fantastic. Uh, just a shame that we missed him for a few games due to injury. But um, yeah, no, I haven't got much to say on this point. I mean, I agree with Joe Dahl that it's the kind of case that I wouldn't really like to see him go. But I think for the saving, it. It's kind of looking nailed on that that's going to happen. Um, and uh, I think that you're going to have to pay Rag now as well next season. I believe it's contract year next year for him. And that has to get sorted out as well. And the fact that what you've there's too many other areas that we need to help in. Yeah. Um, yeah, completely agree. I say when, when, um, when Rag now gets paid, you've got. Decker's, Ragnall's, and Vitae's contract on that line. It is a lot of money tied up into it. Martin, what, what are your thoughts on the O-line going into next year? Are you desperate for a new guard in there, or are you sort of quite happy with what you saw last year and would want to focus elsewhere? I, I think my focus is elsewhere, really, but um, the only thing that I would possibly say is agree with Matthew about uh, Joe Dahl and whether we cut him or not. I um, guess it just depends Um what the options are in the draft there. Hello, to... Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Yeah. So I was just saying, I, I do agree with Matthew that if there's a better option than Joe Dahl there for that money, 
I would probably Hang cut. On, just pause it for one moment. I can't hear anything. And then we can edit that out, can't we? Yep, yeah, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, my, my priorities are definitely a, a defence players. However, I would probably agree with Matthew in, in terms of cutting Joe Dahl. I think that's a decent saving. And if we can get somebody in that position through the draft um, that would be better than that, and then I'm more than happy to do that. However, I haven't looked enough detail to, to see the options that we've got there. Yeah, no, that 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 is understandable. Like say it is a lot of money to be paying a backup there, and if it just means that we can sort of get in a few more, a bit more depth for the line for better value, then I think I think we'd all be for that one really. But yeah, the, the old line is a big positive, and hopefully it can carry on taking steps forward this year, especially protecting our new quarterback. Right, um, moving on to the tight end department. So next year on our tight end. Roster, obviously, we've got TJ Hawkinson, just had his wonderful second Pro Bowl year. Just guy looks like he's getting better all the time. Jesse James, is he overpaid? Is he not? Uh, might be falling on the uh, former side there. And then Hunter Bryant, who we didn't see a great deal of because of injury. And then in the introduction, as Matt mentioned, we've got Elise Mack. And then we've got Hunter Thedford, who have been signed to Futures deals. So, Aaron... Tight end room next year. Are you happy with Hawkinson, James, and Bryant, or would you be looking maybe to uh, shift one or two out and bring a few more in? I'm happy with Hawkinson on his own. Um, <laughs> I'd roll with Hawkinson on his own, but no, I think for me, Jesse James is is just he's overpaid. Um, with all with all due respect to the guy, was his three catches last year worth six and a half million? I don't think so. Um, I, I just, I like the thought of having that bit of depth, but for me, getting in Hunter Thedford and getting in Elise Mack, I, I don't know, something about those two, the, those two being brought in feels like one of at least James or Brian is on the way out. Um, I might be way off on that one. They might just simply be, let's get them into some practice. Let's get them into some workouts, see how they get on. Yeah. So one of the things for me is just, I, I just got a feeling that the likes of Jesse James could be gone and so can Brian. Um, one of the things with Jesse James is that if he gets cut post-June, we make a saving of, I think it's around dead on $5 million um, in cap. Whereas uh, if we cut if we cut him now, um, so I I had him as one of my post June cuts, um, one of my two, just because of that. That's a huge amount, five million dollars, and something that I feel that five million dollars could go into free agency and potentially get someone who's going to have more of a say on the field next year or for for the next couple of years. Yeah, I, th I think the thing looking at the tight end group for me, which sort of threw me a little bit when thinking about Jesse James, is obviously Hunter Bryant was barely available last year. So for me, obviously you want Hawk as your number one in there, but are you going to be able to find, are you going to be able to bring in a tight end who's going to outperform Jesse James? I know you say he's not done much there, but before I cut him, I'd want to maybe see another option there beforehand. So for that reason, I've kept them all. I think Hunter Bryant, obviously an undrafted free agent last year, 
he's, he's been out injured most of the year, so he's still got a lot to prove. So I, I give him I give him some more time to fit into the system to see his potential. Because I know there was a lot of talk about him when we first got him. A lot of people were really excited to see him play, and we were we were sadly robbed of that a little bit. And maybe James is one of those who can benefit from a change in regime. It remains to be seen, but I know what you mean about his cap hit. It is it is nice. After June, you can cut him for one and a half million instead of the 4.2 it cost you beforehand. So I can see why it would make a, a tempting target there. Um, I don't really know enough about Thedford and Mac yet to say whether they could provide a solid replacement, hence why I would keep all three of them for now. Uh, Matt, tight end room. Are you with Aaron? Would you get rid of James and Bryant or would you would you stick with them? I am getting rid of James. He is my number one cut candidate. Um, in in the whole roster, he I, as I think you guys probably know, I was beating his drum a little bit through the year. I think that he came in with people not really believing him at all, and I think he did actually perform fairly well. He got himself a couple of touchdowns, um, got himself working the receiving game. He's the better blocking tight end of of him and Hawkinson, but you know obviously Hawkinson staying. So James for me is gone. I'm keeping Hunter Bryan. I think he's got a lot of untapped potential there at a very cheap value i'm keeping mac thedford i'll i'll let go but mac unknown quantity i'll let him prove it or not but i am am i doing something with this as well i think i am i am going to take a free agent as well to bolster it to four uh and it's it's trey burton formerly of the indianapolis colts he had a solid year last year he's shown that he can pop up and be a very good veteran presence and apparently he can be picked up for a value of three million dollars a year so i think that would bring the room to four with potentially matt hitting the practice squad possibly i think that does make a lot of sense to put a veteran in there because obviously hawkinson and bryant and mac i believe are all quite younger guys so that would be quite intriguing actually to see how much we could get him from ryan um tight ends are they particularly on your list of high needs this year or are we not too fussed about what goes on there well, yeah, I get what you said, but you're always fast uh, with it. I think that what I noticed is whenever I watch Gerald Goff, he loves going over the middle and he loves kind of picking out his tight ends or, you know, trusted receivers. I suppose you could set up for a lot of kind of quarterbacks. But I think that with this, Jesse James has been kind of a little bit let down by the Detroit Lions or maybe Jesse James just hasn't really produced uh, at the Detroit Lions because um, to be brought in at, at the free agency when he did and then to have Hawkinson, who obviously was a great draft, pick uh, come in was a bit of a strange one in a way but um, it makes sense to technically cut him um, for the cap saving I'm sure that this is a position that there'll be plenty of options available in free agency and it wouldn't even shock me if it was something like a free agent in terms of who didn't get picked up in the actual draft that we probably brought in a couple of because we all know in Detroit we love looking at uh, at free age, at, at tight ends. But um, I don't know. I think uh, I would, part of me would like to see James stay. Whether they can restructure his contract, I don't know about that. That might be it. Might be a good opportunity to try and try and do that. But uh, yeah, I think that obviously. Um, that's that's one to watch. I, I I'm not sure which way we're going to go with that. Uh, to be honest, with you. Yeah, yeah, I understand where you come from there, Martin. Um, any desire to want to take Kyle Pitts in the first round of this year's draft? Have another tight end in there, or is is it not quite that bad? Could we do better elsewhere? 
I think TJ is the one to build around, but I, I agree again with Matt that Jesse James is one for me that needs to go. Um, that's a that's a good saving there for me. So that money's better spent elsewhere. Um, and then apart from Justin Coleman, he's my number one Jesse James to cut. So yeah, um, I'm happy to either look for a veteran um, through free agency or. Um, a lower round draft pick, um, but it's not a major need with with Hawkinson in there for me. Hunter Bryant's all right as a backup as well. Yeah, I think the offense in quite a good uh, quite a good situation compared to the defense, and maybe we can uh, get away with not so many changes there. Right, the um, the big one receivers. Now, obviously, that is the most uncertain part going into next year. Obviously, all our main receivers are. Out of contract, obviously, at the moment, we've still got Kenny Golladay, Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola are all about to hit free agency. And then we have Quintus Cephas, Geronimo Allison providing the backup, and then Victor Bolden and Tom Kennedy as the practice squad guys in the uh, in the back there. Um, Aaron, wide receivers, it's going to be one of the most contentious issues over the summer going into next year. What, what does your wide receiver call look like going into next year? I'm guessing you may be drafting someone as well in free agency you really want to get. Um, there, there, there are a couple of plays in free agency. I think they, this, right now, looking at free agency and looking at the draft, this draft class is heavy in wide receivers and very, very good ones. But also, I'm looking at this year's free agency and I'm seeing a lot of very, very good wide receivers in free agency. They're expensive, but... There's so much. It feels right now. There's so much to choose from. So much talent, and I'm just really asking myself right now: where are the Detroit Lions? Who's going to be willing? Unless you're a draft pick, who's willing to come in and deal with the next couple of years? They're going to have to be someone young. We might have to right now throw a little bit of cash at them, but hopefully not to the extent that we've had to do over the last few years because not only is this a place where they're not guaranteed to win, but they're also not even guaranteed to enjoy it here. At, at least right now, they're guaranteed, they're, or they're pretty much guaranteed to enjoy it. So we're not going to have to throw too much money at them for that. I'm just not sure where, where I'm going at it right now. Right now, my man wide receiver room looks very, very empty. It's just Geronimo Allison and Quinton Cephas having a cup of tea and a Kit Kat. Um, because there's not much else that can be done. Um, uh, so so I, I've not got Golladay coming back. I've not got Jones or Amandola coming back. Um, not got Bolden. Um, and not got Kennedy staying either. But I, I want to see a bit more. I want to see a bit out of Geronimo Allison this year. Um, obviously, he, he opted out of the last seat of, of 2020. And I'm just not sure where I want to go. There, I want to bring someone in through free agency but I also want to bring someone in through second, third round in the draft that could come in as well. I'm just not sure who that is. Um, and especially with my free agency, it's really difficult because I want to believe that a, a decent wide receiver could at least spark something this year. But to do that, the cap space needs to be right or the position that we are in needs to be right and needs to be okay. So it's going to be a tough one, honestly. I, I, I can't answer realistically what it's going to look like next year right at this moment in time I can just say that not many of those people that will be out there 
will have been playing in Honolulu Blue in 2020. Yeah, there's there's a lot of different ways we're going to go, go about this. I think we're probably going to dabble in a little bit of everything in the end. Matt, is there anyone specific you have in mind for the wide receiver core next year? Are you going to keep Kenny? Are you going to bring people in? What's, what's the thinking there? I am tagging Kenny Golladay and I'm not happy about it, but I'm doing it. I... I hear the arguments about the fact that he's not a golf receiver and, you know, blah, and the tag's too high for what we want to pay him and what his, his value is to us. But I'm loath to let him go. And I think the, the loath to let him go is stronger than that. I don't think he's value at the tag. So I'm going to tag him and I'm, I'm just not going to enjoy it. But, you know, there we go. Otherwise, I'm keeping Cephas, obviously. Uh, Geronimo I'm going to give a shot and I'm going to give Bolden a shot as well although I expect actually that Bolden will probably hit the practice squad Geronimo might make the roster we'll see he he performed okay when he was at Green Bay he had a few big catches he had a few really big drops so let's hope he can keep the catches and lose the drops in terms of uh, people around that I in two of my seven mock drafts have managed to get Jamar Chase at seven and if we can get Jamar Chase at seven, I will be absolutely delighted. I do not want to go wide receiver at seven because I feel like the defence is overall a bigger need. But within the construct of this game where we can't trade back, I, um, Dan Campbell said, it doesn't matter where we have lots of people or not. If you fall in love with a guy, you take him. And I believe that that opens the door to tight ends. I think that opens the door to cornerbacks because I think that people are specifically thinking when he says that, that we've got Hawkinson and that we've got the number three overall pick from last year. But I don't think it rules those out. But wide receiver is a big position of need and it is where the value is to be had at pick number seven in the draft. Um, I'm actually picking up another one at pick 112. 2-2 Atwell, the wide receiver from Louisville. And I'm also, if I can afford it, and I'm not sure I can, but we'll, we'll see, I'm going to try and pick up Curtis Samuel as well from Carolina. Eight and a half million dollar contracts per year. Yeah. Um, oh. I, I, sorry, just on, on, on this scenario as well, I'm very similar to Matt because, look, if we're not trading back from seven, I'm going wide receiver at seven, probably. And it's not what I want to do, but in the confines of of this scenario, I, I feel like my hands would be tied at wide receiver. I don't, um, uh, but I, I, I'm. We, we were speaking about this before we got on. Obviously, uh, I quite like the look of Waddle at seven. So, well, I quite like the look of Waddle. I quite look, like the look at Waddle at around ten. But look, at, if it's at seven and, and Jamar Chase is not around, then. I'd be looking at Waddle, bringing him in. But in an ideal world, I'd be looking to trade back and get some more picks instead. Yeah, I think I'm very similar to Matt. I've used a bit of everything. I've tagged, picked up free agency and done um, the draft as well. I've tagged Kenny. I've made my feelings known on him. I think that there is something there. I think this is the first year he struggled with injury. And I think that, you know, on the tag, it gives him a chance to prove that he can be a top tier receiver. 
and you know it's going to be vital given the amount of change we're going to see this year so i'll tag him and hopefully it's a th deal that pays off i have spent a little bit of money on wide receiver here because i've also gone for us to pick up jameson crowder if the rumors about him getting cut by the Jets are true because he's on about 10 million a year at the minute but with the receiver market being very saturated at the minute and a lot of good guys coming through the draft I think there's a possibility you can pick him up for eight seven eight nine million there so I'd be wanting to try and offer him a two-year 17 million dollar deal to be our new slot guy to replace Danny who's not coming back I don't think and then in the draft I used our third round pick on a wide receiver from Western Michigan called D. Wayne Eskridge. He is officially the smallest receiver in the class. However, he's very good at what he does because he doesn't have the height advantage. It means that he has to play a lot better. He has to make his runs count to sort of counteract the negativity towards his height. And he has gone from a sixth round projection at the start of this NFL season to a third round one. Now he's a guy who's creeping up there. And I think... I do want to spend a little bit of capital on there, and I think we can find an untapped gem there. And then Cephas and Allison stay for depth, and Bolden and Kennedy will be on their practice squad. Um, Martin, in terms of wide receivers, obviously we have a big rebuilding job there this year. Um, are there any guys on the free agency market who you might want to pay quite a bit for and bring them in, or would you rather see us build the core up through the draft? I A few things on this. So I would also tag. Kenny Galladay. Um, and I think we're going to lose Marvin Jones and Demi Andola. So what I thought was, I think if we're sticking at seven, then I agree with Aaron that we go and draft uh, Jalen Waddell. I think he's the best on the board there at that stage, potentially. Um, but I also really like uh, the option of Josh Reynolds on the free agency list from the Rams. I think, you know, he's obviously worked. Um, it's that Rams connection. Um, last season was career best season, 52 catches, 618 yards, seems to be getting better. Um, fourth rounder in 2017, so still got age on his side. So I think if we're letting, I see him filling that spot where Amendola is there. I think that'd be a good pickup for us. Not a huge expense, um, but I think he would be a great addition to the, the wide receivers. Yeah, Ryan, um, what are your thoughts on this one? You, would you do a little bit of everything to rebuild this core up or are you? Uh, is there sort of a certain way you're wanting to, to do it? I think um, well, you guys have covered it pretty well here um, again. So um, I think uh, the way I see it is that probably Galladay does have to be um, uh, franchise tagged, uh, use him. I mean, if he gets something that makes the trade worthwhile, we'll do that. I know we'll definitely do that. But um, otherwise, yes, just use him and hope that he's available and fit. Uh, part of me was a little bit worried last year. Was he missing a lot of the games because he didn't want to play for uh, Patricia or maybe even the Lions? I don't know. I'm not sure where that one came from for me. In terms of from the draft, I think we will be going wide receiver. Uh, and for the basis of this kind of game we're playing, that I, I don't, I, I'll be gobsmacked if Lamar Chase is there. From the little I've seen in terms of watching the videos on these wide receivers, Lamar Chase for me is definitely going to be going to uh, the Miami Dolphins when I look at the draft. And number three, they need to go and get some playmakers for uh, for their quarterback. Uh, and uh, I think where I'm going to disagree with you guys, although I do have my concerns, um, is I think they're going to go Devon A. Smith if they're going to go anywhere at seven. Um, 
I am concerned about his weight. Obviously, he he looks so tiny. I mean, like he looks like you can knock him over, but uh, pretty easy. And I'd be concerned about the injuries with the amount of beatings he'd probably be getting. But um, I think that in terms of you know his he's he's obviously amazing production he got the Heisman I think last year didn't he or something so um, he's he's a high quality player unbelievable speed um, he's going to be you know tough to stop him when he's uh, doing his route running so um, I think they're going to go with Smith but I hope that they do it that they can kind of build him up and use him kind of a little bit sparingly and, and just, you know, take their time with him. But like you say, I think there's going to be a few people that shoot themselves in the foot this year in, in this uh, free agency. I think a few people are going to ask for a little bit too much money and then they might be trying to scutter back to the, the team that they're originally at to try and stay there um, because there are going to be some major cuts from teams. And uh, the, the lad for the Jets you just mentioned, uh, was it Crowder? Crowder? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a very he's he's really good. But he's a really really good player. So I think if they if they could pick him up on the kind of deal you're on about, then I completely agree. Again, you know you got you got to go after and get him. But I think there'll be plenty of suits for him. I just think that a lot of these lads will be um, shooting themselves in the foot, and you might be able to pick up a couple of good players um, who who asked a little bit too much in the early stages of uh, free agency. Yeah, it's it's a complicated one. I'd say there's that many pieces to do. I mean, there's that many ways they can go. We're going to have to obviously wait and see what happens. So, um, but yeah, out of the offense, it's the area that needs the most work doing to it. Um, to quickly finish off the offense, um, we got special teams. Obviously, a few long servers here. You got Matt Prater as your kicker. Um, we do have Matthew Wright in as a futures contract for a kicker. Uh, Jack Fox, punter, Death Taxes and Don Mulback as your long snapper and Jamal Agnew as your punt returner. Are we bringing all these four guys back? Is anyone got any concerns about Prater there or are we are we happy to just accept he had maybe a little bit of an off year and bring him back for next? Very was, happy. Yeah, I would just say bring him. There's no problems with Prater either. I would like to see a little bit of competition for him and make sure that he has to earn that job Um but yeah, no, no issues there whatsoever. Yeah, I think the one, one of the success things we can say we had last year was special teams. Did we're all right? I am. I, just, just say I know that I've said this before, and I know that the business is the business. But as I said not too long ago, his wife has just opened a business just outside of Detroit. I don't see. And again, like I say, I know the business is the business. I know if, if you get traded, you get traded. If you or if you leave, you leave. But I don't see them. I don't see if if he if he goes. I don't see that coming from Matt. I see that being a an organisational decision. He wants to stay here. His wife wants to stay here. And then that that's the recipe for you know that that that's all we need at the moment. Um, yes, he had a slightly down year, but they all do. Um, and yeah, it's it's got to be quite funny watching someone take the field who was actually there playing with Dan Campbell in Detroit. I know that was mentioned in his press conference, but I feel like and I I, I want to keep him just for just for that reason alone. Yeah, I think that there's not too many concerns to be had on special teams. Just hopefully the next um, the new special teams guy is as good as our previous one was, just without the. Uh, just without the ignoring orders and going rogue on the field type thing there. Right, um, I do acknowledge that we've taken a bit of time over that, so we'll move swiftly on to the defence. So I'll start with the 
cornerback positions, one of our biggest problems and probably one that's going to generate a lot of the most chatter in terms of cuts. So as it stands next year, obviously we have our two senior cornerbacks, Desmond Trufant and Justin Coleman, and I don't think it's a stretch to say that both of them had really, really bad years. Then we have our two talented rookies, Amani Oruwarie and Jeffrey Okuda. And then you've got your backup guys on there, um, Tony McRae, Mike Ford, um, and Roberts and Godwin Igwabweek, who has been put in on a futures contract. Um, Matt, corners, a lot to discuss on this one in terms of cuts and that. How are you going to reshape your corner back market for next year to give us a bit more of a chance in games? I am keeping as my starting cornerbacks Akuda and Oarie. Uh, Coleman is a post-June cut. You save a lot of money doing that. Nine million, to be exact. Trufant, I'm also cutting for a six million saving. I'm going to re-sign Ford and Roberts, primarily as special teams players. The rest are going to go. And I'm going to bring in a couple of vets on the free agent market, if I can afford it, which will be Desmond King from the Titans, on a just under $6 million a year deal, and Jason Verrett from San Francisco for five. Yeah, yeah. Um, Aaron, are you cutting both senior cornerbacks as well and just starting completely from afresh, or does one of them maybe have a chance at redemption under you? To the tune of 5,000 candles in the wind, bye-bye Justin Coleman. Um, that, like say, nine million in cap savings. For someone who, at the start of the season, the only good thing I've been able to say about him is there was a really cool story about him in the 2019 season, punching things out of his girlfriend's hands at home. That's the only thing that I can say, really, realistically say about him that I've enjoyed. Because um, in the 2019 season, he had a couple of those punch-outs. Other than that, um, I, I think right now he is stealing a living off the Lions. Um, and I think he, he's pretty much just daylight robbery, the money that he's getting for that. So he's definitely gone. I'm umming and ahhing over Trufon. I was not happy with him this year whatsoever. But also, I don't want to see half of his contract. I, I don't want to see just like half of that amount of money. So $6 million in just dead cap space. Um, but at the same time, I want him gone, but at the same time, I kind of want someone who's there who can... He's just going to have to be a transitional player. Keep him for this season and then look at cutting him in 2022 when his contract should be in a much better position to cut him. I believe I'm not 100% sure on what his exact contract is. Um, but I think for me, Oruwarie, very excited to see him get back. Um Great, had a, had a really good year, had a few down moments. I want to see that progression again. And if he progresses like that, he's going to be a very good cornerback next year. Akuda, but it is what it is. He'll be back, he'll be fine. Um, and I think I'm going to look, I'm not really too sure again on what I'm going to do with the other guys, but I think for the most part, um, I'll just kind of leave it. Uh, True font right now staying. Oruarie staying. Okuda staying. Coleman. Um, listen, I'll 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 pay for the Uber to get him out. 
Yeah, I, I don't think it's unfair to say that we're all very disappointed with them. I think I've gone similar here. I've cut Trufant post-June. I just think he's been a disgrace this year and, it, you know, time to move on. His hamstring just goes ping all the time and that's no good. When you've got youngsters like Orowarie and Akuda and you need some senior corners in there who are going to help. I've done similar. I've gone into the free agency market, but I have gone after Xavier Rhodes from the Colts instead. He's just done a one-year $3 million deal with them so if we could get him for something similar maybe a million extra you know I quite like Xavier Rhodes and what he brings and I think he might be that steady steadying experience that we need for some of the younger guys Coleman I've given a second chance to purely because I did see a few bits last year where he did look like the player that we paid for and maybe with a schematic change it might work and we may be able to start getting some more value out of him I think out of Trufant and Coleman I would think Coleman's going to come better the quicker of the two of them. So it's, you know, better the devil you know with that one. And then everyone else pretty much stays the same. Obviously, Orowari and Akuda are your futures. You know, you're invested in them. Akuda has had exactly the same type of year as TJ had. You know, he struggled with a few fundamental issues, just struggled a little bit to start with. Then he had injuries, which hampered him all season. But look at TJ now, 12 months later, he's a pro bowler. He looks an absolute beast and he's just getting better. And I think we're going to see the same with Akuda. So there's certainly no worries there for me. And like Matt said, McRae, Ford, Roberts, some reliable pieces for special teams and back up there. So I would try and bring them all back similarly as well. Um, Ryan, cornerbacks, how are you feeling on that this year? Would you just get rid of Trufant and Coleman like the other two? Or is there maybe some redemption for one of them down the line? Yeah, this is this is where it's going to start getting very messy, I think, um, because those two have to go um, go get rid of Coleman. I think Coleman, along with Vitae, for me, uh, were the two worst um, free agency pickups by Bob Quinn in his time in Detroit. And the contracts were just fucking mind-boggling, to be brutally honest, especially with the money they were getting paid. Um, and the production has been zero. Um, and if you could rip up the contracts with no cost tomorrow, you'd be doing it. So um, I, a true font, you know, I was quite happy when we got him last year. But unfortunately, as you say, uh, the guy's on one leg. Uh, he's got to go. Um, I think that we saved quite a good um, bit of money there. So that's got to be done. I liked the Xavier Rhodes. I wanted him last year. I actually completely forgot that he was a free agent, but that was a good call. Um, and when I'm going through this list here of who's available, you see some players that are like good players, definitely uh, that could come in and do something on good contracts and free agency. But I think that they'll probably be uh, trying to find someone in the draft, probably around the third or fourth round for to bring in in this position. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that they'll they'll pick up one or two veterans in the free agency, and uh, and obviously with the way it's going now, um, with the with the draft, the cap space and that, I think that they'll probably see um, one or two surprise people being let go, and and you might be able to pick up someone on a good contract there as well. So, given obviously that we're in a rebuild now, would would you be maybe happy then if Akudo and Arroyo both started next year at the expense of Coleman and Trufant? We'll just say, look, we'll blood them up the hard way and do it that way, or would would, yeah, would that be? I, I, yeah, it's a good question. I think I think um, I think there's a good chance. Uh, Akuda could actually move to safety. I think that that's something that they're going to look at during the actual um, 
the pre like the training camp but uh, i think that's something that might happen I, I i part of me doesn't fancy him too much but you know i i think that last year you can't overly judge him i was impressed with oria we can never pronounce his name um uh, quite a bit last year i thought he didn't let himself down overall i thought he'd, he'd done quite decent so i'd be happy to sling him back out there i'd be a little bit more concerned about akuda but uh, maybe just what he needs is a bit of love and i think that you know this this new um this new defensive coordinator will know exactly how to handle him and will get the best out of him, whether that's a change of position or keeping him at a cornerback. But I think it's definitely, that is going to be one of the interesting parts of the off season to watch, to see what happens there and, and where he's kind of lining up in training camp. I think you, you raise a good point there about the coach. And I think, I think we're all intrigued to see how much the coaching might affect some of the players we have here currently and whether some of the problems were inherently as big as we thought we they, thought they were and maybe you know it's just a good coach and we'll bring the best out of some players so yeah it's one of those we're certainly looking to see we'll move on anyhow now we'll uh, we'll move to the other part of the secondary and the safety core so that again another one that had quite a few problems last year Harmon taking Tracy Walker's slot which meant his form sort of slumped off a cliff and until we picked up free agents during the season we did struggle there a lot as did Will Harris who had some truly atrocious games so next year you've got obviously the aforementioned Tracy Walker he's going into his contract year it's a big year in front of him especially if Harmon departs if he's given that free safety role back you've got Will Harris who's in his third year now. Miles Killebrew, um, Jalen Elliott, the undrafted free agent from last year. Jerron Harmon, who's about to hit free agency. CJ Moore and Matt's favourite safety in the world, Bobby Price. Um, I'll start with you, Aaron, because I know this involves one of your favourite players of all time. In the safety core, what, what, what are you wanting to see next year in terms of new personnel, etc.? Um, if Tracy Walker at any point gets caught out egg Dan Campbell's gaff, um, I'll swim to Detroit myself and egg his gaff. I don't care. Um, and anyone in, by the way, just letting you all know, if any of you do vote for the cutting of Tracy Walker, I will egg your gaff as well. Um, I I am really really in a in a tizzy about this this safety car because what we saw last year. And yes, this, this is an excuse I'm regularly bringing up for Tracy Walker. But, and I, I think this is hitting all of them at the same time. It seemed to me like Matt Patricia and Corey Underlin were going, they, they mentioned numerous times, look, we've got these packages. We, we, we analyze this team, we set the packages and we go out there and put these packages out there. And it seems to me like... I don't know. They saw these packages and they, they kind of went, right, do you know what's going to work really well? This package is going to work really well. So which one's the polar opposite? Let's put that one out there. And just sent out these. They, they were just they were not utilizing, utilizing players well. I feel like Will Harris could have more to offer. Now Matt Patricia is gone. Now you've got a uh, now you've got a defensive coordinator who has history with the defensive backs. I really, I, I feel like this is going to be the revitalized area of the, of the team. I, I, at least either the safeties or the cornerbacks. I feel like this is the one where you're going to see the most, most drastic improvement over the year. I really do. Um, 
And I think it's going to be maybe not to a similar level in, in terms of where they get to, but a similar jump from where they are to where they get to as the offensive line this year. I feel like that, that sort of jump that, uh, to that sort of degree is, is capable in the safety team. Now they have competent coaching because it seemed like the one area that they really struggled with and um, the linebacker that uh, the, the, the linebackers were kind of lumped in with the safeties on being given too many distracting and confusing jobs and, uh, and things to do on the, on the field. So, uh, a part of me wants to see most of these come back. A part of me wants to kind of blow it up, apart from Tracy Walker, and see how it goes because I don't know who to blame or what to look at for this, but I'm just hoping that I'm going to keep most of the pieces um, just because it means it's one less area to, uh, to to focus on this year, but also one where I think we it will be a real tell telltale sign of what was that issue. Is it talent or is it horrendous coaching? Yeah. Um, and, and I think if we're gonna get anyone, I'd like to see us get a vet in or not on a, on a on a smallish deal. But I'd be willing in that position maybe to invest a little bit more of my cap in a vet or, or someone yeah in a vet to that uh, in that position yeah again like you say it's just how much it's down to coaching as to how many um choices you need to make but just a quick one for you if keeping Jerron Harmon means that Tracy Walker has to stay away from that free safety slot would you get rid of Harmon and put Walker back there well now you're talking about me egging Jerron Harmon's gaff <laughs> Um, no, I, I I genuinely think that I don't think that's going to happen. I, 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 if you're looking at putting plays in the best position for them to succeed, you put those plays in the best position for them to succeed. Then I don't see them, even if it means a reduced role this year, I don't see them removing Tracy Walker from that free safety position. I see them keeping him there, even if it means a slightly reduced output for Jerron Harmon, although that's a bad decision. Um, and Tracy Walker should be on every plate ever, even on offense. Fair enough. Um, Matt, safety call going into next year. Um, what are your sort of changes there looking like? Is there a bigger expanded role for your favorite guy, Bobby Price, or are we, uh, are we going into free agency or the draft looking for some new faces? First of all, I'm cutting Tracy Walker. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. It's a joke. It's a joke. Um, I'm cutting. I know where you live, Matt. I'm cutting Tron Harmon. I'm also cutting CJ Moore. I don't think CJ Moore has shown enough on special teams to stick around. I'm going to re-sign Killebrew to stay around special teams. I'm also going to retain Jalen Elliott and Bobby Price. They were rookies last year. Price showed a little bit when called in for relief. Elliott was injured and on um on injured reserve for most of the year so i want to give him a shot but i'm open to cutting him after that if he doesn't show anything i'm going to keep walker and harris uh with the intention of having harris as the the third safety um the problem is i'm struggling for a second starting safety um i have dipped into free agency and i'm going to pick up malik hooker from the indianapolis colts 
He is available apparently for roughly $2 million a year. He's 25 years old and he's only a couple of years removed from some really, really elite play, but he's been um, beset with injury problems. And I feel like he's a vet presence who played very well, who's going to benefit our young guys, even if he continues with his injury problems. But his, his upside is significantly high, especially when we're in a rebuild area that I'm willing to take a chance on him. Yeah, I like that call. If we if we're going to go down the free agency route, I think we can we can certainly do a lot worse than that for sure. I think we do need, like you say, a veteran presence in there to help some of the younger guys, the ones who are sort of on the verge. In in my own case, I've gone a little bit differently. I've kept everyone. I've kept Walker, Harris, you know, because they're the the more you know, the more experienced ones in the side. I've kept the likes of Killebrew, Moore, and Price for you know spots on special team and on the practice squad. The only change I have made, Jerron Harmon, I've not renewed either and I've dipped into the um, second round of the draft for a certain safety from UCF who I've been on about an awful lot and that is Richie Grant. I think he's exactly the type of thing we need. He's a versatile safety. He's quicker than what he looks and he's extremely good at reading the quarterback and that can be shown through his high number of interceptions and pass breakups. He knows where the pass is going before it's gone and the amount of times last year me, you, Ryan, Martin, Aaron complained about how easy it was for teams to pass down the field at us because the coverage was terrible. We need to invest in some good coverage, guys. And I think if we drop Tracy Walker into that free safety slot, let him ball out at the position he says he's good at, let him have a good contract year, put a guy like Richie Grant next to him who's going to provide some elite speed and hopefully the other guys show up. I think that'll be a huge pick for us. I know, Matt, you're not sort of comfortable about taking safety so high, but for me, I think it makes a lot of sense to do that. Um, Ryan, again, sort of the safety, um, the safety department, I know we were linked the other day with Marcus Williams, who'd be putting in about a nine million a year deal there. Would you like us to go that hard at the safety market or are you reasonably happy with what we've got there? Well, yeah, it's funny you say because I'm actually just looking at the free agents um, and the kind of feeling I got from it is that they probably would be going down. I, I mean, I, They'll be going down that kind of route, that, like someone that the the uh, that is obviously we we struggled in that area last year. Miles Killigrew had a good good time on on special teams. If you bring him back on on a decent enough deal, he'll probably come back. But um, you know, Tracy Walker, I can't believe that that boy's a bad player. I mean, you know, he had a terrible season last year. Um, he's got a lot to prove, especially as you say in a contract year and everything. But uh, I can't believe that he's that bad, and I'm sure that with good coaching, um, he'll be he'll come around quite quickly. But yeah, in terms of what you just say in there regarding um, Williams, um, I was actually looking at other people who were free agents from New Orleans this year because I fancy that they will bring in someone who he's worked with before um, uh, in that position to kind of, uh, um, you know, bring in the competition or whatever, whether it will be on that kind of money that you said for Williams. I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, this one is a bit of a head-scratcher kind of area for me. You know, you feel that the players aren't too bad there. They just had a terrible year. So um, I don't know what what they're thinking in Detroit, whether they're going to, you know, get rid of a few of them or, or um, you know, uh, bring them back. You know, it, it, anything could actually happen with this one, to be honest. Yeah, I think in Tracy Walker's case, it's odd. It's it's very odd. You, 
hear of a player who's not done that well, but he's still got the backing of just about everybody. And I think that shows that, like you said, there is a player in there. Is it the schematics that are a bit wrong? But I think we're all hoping, like we were this time last year, that he he becomes the safety we all know he can and gets himself paid this year. So, yeah, it's... I'm sorry, I think what you're looking at here is not to the same extent, but we've all said this relatively recently. Well, uh, and... There were a couple of us that were quite high on tooting this horn that with Jared Goff, he went to LA Rams, had a couple of good years, got handed a contract. And I know this is not quite contract year yet. Uh, uh, not quite being handed a contract yet, but he was handed this contract and then everything around him changed. He was constantly being put in different positions and asked, being asked to do different things, part of a different offense. And with all due respect, I think this... Tracy Walker, he balled out for two years, progressed really heavily uh, in his second year. And then in the third year, was doing loads of different, uh, got put in completely different packages and completely different sets. It's like they looked at his talents and turned around and went, you know what, you'd be best doing exactly the opposite to what you've been doing and been really successful at. It's been a strange, and I think that that's a whole thing with the whole safety car, not just Tracy Walker. I think that's all, that's, that's all the safeties. Um, so I I I, I got to, to turn around. And say, I don't know how you can turn around and say it's a bad player when I think it's that whole car is terrible, terrible coaching. Yeah, I agree. I think most would be in agreement with you there. I think that's the one area, one of the areas we're looking forward to most seeing under new coaching to see whether it was just Patricia and Undlin before. And I have a sneaky suspicion it probably was them. Right, we'll move on because I do appreciate we have been going a little while now. We're down to our last few areas now. So next we move on to our linebackers, which I think we agreed in the end of season grades was probably just about the worst of the lot. So maybe a lot of work to be done here. So moving into next year currently we've got Jamie Collins our senior guy still here on quite a big deal everybody's favorite player Jelani Tavai and before everyone starts I'm going to stay on a hill and I reckon he is going to improve massively next year and I think he is going to be a much better player than what we've seen just going to put it there I'm sorry if you all hate me for doing it but hey ho we will do um Reggie Ragland Jared Davis both are out of contract this year but can still be kept on if you do uh, wish to. And then we've got Christian Jones, another one who's not very well liked at the moment. And then we have our backups, Jalen Reeves-Mabin, Anthony Pittman, Sean Dion Hamilton and Tony McRae. So, Matt, linebackers, is it really going to be an absolute blowout in terms of changing personnel or is there hope for some of them in there? Maybe Jared Davis, maybe Tavai? I'm with you on Tavai. Uh, mainly because if we cut him, we only get back 300 grand. So I'm going to keep him and just pray. Um, Jamie Collins, you can't cut him. You don't save enough. And he's our best linebacker anyway, and a veteran presence and hopefully probably a team captain. Don't get ejected in the first game of next year, please. Um, I'm also re-signing Jared Davis, mainly because it was the thing that Dan Campbell spoke about first when he came here. He was the first name that he said, apart from Matthew Stafford because of the trade stuff. So ignoring the trade stuff, Davis was the first name he spoke of and spoke of very warmly. Feels like he has a plan for him in place. And you know what? And I kept beating the drum on this through the season. Jared Davis was consistently our most high performing player of last season when he was given a limited role playing about 30% of the snaps in a position which suits him. 
And if he comes back on a team-friendly deal and does that, then I can see him being an absolute force. So I've got three guys. Everyone else is cut, including Reeves, maybe, and Pittman, Dion Hamilton, McRae, and Reggie Ragland. I think Ragland could come back on a cheap deal. I'm ambivalent there, but I'm going to cut him. And I'm going to get a little bit of backup from the draft where I'm drafting in the second round at number 39, Zayvon Collins out of Tulsa. You know what? I'll pick this up next because I'm quite on the similar wavelength as you here. Obviously, I'll keep Collins to buy. You know, he's in his third year now, so hopefully he takes a step forward. Reggie Ragland, I've put down that if we could get him on the same deal this year as we did last, which is the £1 million for a year deal, I think I'd be quite happy to bring him back for a veteran presence to put a bit of experience in that line with the likes of Tavai and Davis in there. And I'm with you. I would give Davis another year. Again, partially going off the comments made by Dan Campbell about him and partially because, as you said, you have been telling us all year about his game, how it's improving in pockets and whatnot. And I've seen it. I've seen what you've been saying. And I agree that there is maybe a player we can salvage there you know, because he has been disappointing so far. But that's part of the reason I bring Radline back, just to be able to let Davis do more specific parts of his game where he excels more and hope he grows into the position all told. Um, Christian Jones would be my only cut there. I think we save a bit of money on him. I think I've put him in the post-June months. We save about three million. I just don't think he offers anything and it's time to move on. And in his place... I've gone with the first round linebacker from Penn State, Micah Parsons. I know there are character concerns about him, but you know there were other players involved in that, some of whom are in the NFL now. And I think if he's truly you know, ready to turn over a fresh leaf and start, I don't think we can pass up the opportunity with him sat there at seven. He's a potential generational linebacker, three down guy who can do everything for you. And if you're lining up Collins, Ragland, and Parsons as your starting linebacker court. I think you've got something special there with Tavai and Davis filling in. I think you've got something good and we'll have a much better linebacker core than last year. So, yeah, I'm bringing in Micah Parsons. As for the other four, I'll just let them fight it out for practice squad and special teams places, so the same as you. Um, Aaron, any thoughts on our linebackers? Again, I think this is something that... Again, like I said about the safeties, I think this is a position that has been decimated by bad coaching. Um, it's been very well. I mean, we, we, we spoke about it again on, on previous podcasts, particularly Tavai has been mentioned um, around this on as soon as Patricia left, who picked up and who did you notice starting to play better? Who did you notice starting to get in better positions? It was July Tavai. Um, and though I continue to to try and beat down that, that Jelani Tavai tree. Um, I, it, it's something that I'm open to the prospect of. So I've not cut Tavai. Um, for the same reason I'm uh, as you guys, I'm keeping Collins. Um, on the proviso that he doesn't headbutt a referee, I think he can stay. Um, but that is like, that's got to be a deal breaker. Um, Ragland... I, I'm keeping Ragland. I'm keeping Davis. And again, it's it's for a similar reason. I ummed and ad over it. But then it, it's been weird to see how I've tackled each and every person in position because some people I, I've come up with different arguments for. But yeah, listening to Dan Campbell, listening to what he said, 
and getting into that position of look at Tavai, look at Davis as two players who could very well be once Patricia's gone and once they are coached better, put in better positions to be able to make plays, uh, you know, uh, have a say on the game, then I think that's going to be um, a re- they're going to be positive additions, even if they're not great, even if they're just all right, they're decent. You need a couple of players like that who, who are around the team that are decent and can kind of come in and do a job when you need them to. Uh, Jones, I've got him staying. I think I've, I've got everyone staying. Reeves, maybe. Um, he's someone that I want to keep, you know, just for the special teams. He, he was absolutely incredible on special teams last year. Uh, and one of our top five special teams players, and I think he was second. No, he was Jack Fox was unanimous, but I think he would have been a close second, um, second best. Uh, player on special teams so I want to bring in I, I don't want to see any more vet talent brought through I think it's a position that Micah Parsons excites me but I don't I, I, I've just got a, a really weird feeling that a linebacker going that early in the draft is just not going to work out well for us. It's nothing against Micah Parsons. I think he's fantastic. I just don't think it's going to work for us. Although recency bias um, of the way I, the, the linebacker position scares me. So I, I'm really at a loss to what I'm going to do here in terms of getting people in. Um, I've not got, there's, there's a couple of people I guess I'm looking at, but, you know, I, I'm looking at maybe definitely the draft, though, at some point, whether it be second or third round, maybe getting a linebacker in. Yeah, no, all fair points there. I think there are a few bits we agree on. And like you say, it's interesting how different people see different players. And speaking of, I feel like we may have been a little easy on the linebacker go here. So I'll bring in Ryan, who's able to usually keep us grounded when we start getting a little bit too cool, lady. Ryan, <laughs> the linebacker core. That's a compliment, by the way. But I know. Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, the, uh, well, you know, like I know that Pete, everyone has different like favorite positions on the field. This is like you know, this is like one of the positions where you wish, like you know, if we played the game that you'd love to play in, like the middle linebacker kind of position, or you know, obviously a defensive end kind of position is kind of position I love to play in, especially when you can go and hit someone. But um, I just don't know. I think that last year, it's like you know, Tavai. I I loved him in his kind of rookie year last year. I don't know what happened to the player, um, Davis. Hasn't really been done well, but is that because he's been held back a lot by three years of Patricia? Um, I can't believe that Matt Patricia is that bad of a coach either. I mean, the guy must know what he's on about when it comes to defense. It's just that he didn't know how to get the best or use these players. I don't know, but this position is such a head scratcher. I really, I'm a little bit like Aaron. I don't know what the fuck to do here. To be honest, with you, um, it's it's one of the kind of messy situations. I I like Ragland. I've got no problem with him. I think Jones gets cut. Um, I, ideally, I think it's a position that if Parsons is that good and the way that you talked about him, then you would have probably sold me on him if we were in a draft room. Um, is, is there concerns about him about bullying or something, uh, teammates? Is that what it's about? Is that what the concerns are? There was a hazing thing that they did back in college. It involved a few players. I know um, the one of the Minnesota first-round picks last year, Gross Matos, he was involved, yeah. but... 
it's turned out that I think he's not the ringleader in it, and I'm not sure. There are a few things, but I can't really know too much about it at the minute. I think just for me, in terms of his overall skill and what he provides, I think if he if he deserves a second chance, then you absolutely want to go for him. But yeah, th- there was a few things. One hundred percent. I mean, I ain't got too much. I mean, like you know, no one likes a bully or anything like that, of course. But you know, I think that if it's kind of in the team, in the locker room, and you know, people ask different things of different people, you know, and uh, you know, what was it Richie Incognito? You know, like he got he got picked up for supposedly bullying, and then everyone on like a load of other people on the team saying, no, he's actually just trying to get the best out of you and everything like that. So it could go in a host of different ways. But you know, um, I'd have no problem with picking up Parsons as long as the pick's worth it going off these early drafts right now before they've seen the players in their, um, you know, like their training days or whatever, um, the it looks like he's going to fall a little bit. But, you know, who knows? By the time it comes around the draft, he could be go up a lot higher on a lot of people's boards. But it's definitely a position of need. Um, and it's a position where if you get it right, you've got a player there for 10 years or whatever. So um, it's um, it's really important that they, they, they get this you know, who they want to keep, who they want to cut, who they want to bring in. And if they want to draft there, they want to make sure they get this right because we can't keep on rebuilding that section of the defence. So um, big decisions to be made there. I'm glad I'm not the one doing it, to be honest, yeah. I know. I don't think anyone's really going to um, to argue that. Um, It's interesting how you mentioned about the position of linebacker being one where you might feel quite interested in playing in the game. There was a video, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter earlier, circulating of, you remember Luke Keithley? the long-term is it Panthers linebacker yeah. and they did a video of him and how he, you know, on the field, how he was able to read the plays. You know, he was just a master tactician, just lining everyone up, getting the plays, leading by example. And it made it look like, yeah, I'd love to do that as well. And geez, the guy was so good at what he did. You'd, you'd kill to have a guy like him. And, you know, not necessarily the most athletic guy there in the world. He just, he had the right profile of a linebacker. And if, you know, if um, Parsons is in that mould and will become that long-term, then God, yeah, you'd absolutely take him. But, um, yeah, anyhow, we'll, uh, as I say, we'll move on now, just as I say, we're getting time. We're down to the last two areas now, so we're going to take a look at defensive tackles. So, next year, going in so far, you have um, Shelton. We've got everybody's new favourite rookie, John Penasini. Um, every the rookie who everyone wants to love but just doesn't seem to progress to Sean Hand. Um, Josh on Cornell, rookie pick from last year, who unfortunately missed all year with a bad injury. Julian Aquara, similar, missed a lot of season to bad injury. And then you've got Atkins and Kevin Strong there at the tackle position. Um, Matt, what are you looking at in terms of DTs? Um, bringing anyone new in or are we still hoping that some of this rookie talent comes through this year? I'm I'm praying on this one. Um, I am keeping Penasini, Hands, Cornell, Aquara, and Strong. Um, actually, Aquara is an edge, so I shouldn't say that there. But um, uh, the Julian, that is. Um, but Penasini, Hands, Cornell, and Strong. I'm I'm keeping all four of them and and playing two. I'm cutting Shelton, and Atkins is off as well. I'm probably starting um, Penasini in hand at the two DT positions if we're playing a 4-3. If we're playing a 3-4, 3-3-5, then I would be starting hand. Yeah, um, 
I will move on to Aaron now, but I think he's gone into a little bit of, of hysterics. You mentioned in Penasini and Han together. I'm I'm exactly the same as you again there. I've cut Shelton, but I'm more hoping that it's the rookie talent that comes through this year. I think Kevin Strong, especially in that last game, he had a really good game. So if he can sort of replicate that over a season, and then you've got um, the likes of Han. Han's such a frustrating player. He just In his first year, he looked amazing, and then he just seems to have plateaued because of injury and he's a guy you so want to sort of you know go for but I'm not sure it's an odd one but you know it's this contract year so I say give him one more chance and just hope that those guys on the uh, on the D-line can start you know start showing their promise it'd be interesting to see Cornell what he's going to be like so yeah I've not that's going to be a weak spot next year because I've not put too much into there but hopefully the rookies can as I say make the leap forward um, Aaron are you uh, are you all right now? How are you <laughs> with no, tackles? Um, what are you um, what are you looking at next year, tackle wise? I hopefully I'm not looking at too many tackles in this next year. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, this is my license to be as childish as I can. Um, Go ahead. If, if you have a problem, fuck you. I'm doing the edit. Um, I put hand on the list of cuts. The injuries that he's had, and I've I've not been impressed. But a part of me really didn't want to cut strong hand. Or strong hand Penasini. Um, just, I, I'm here for the humour. I'm not here for the football. Um, I, but no, if I'm going to cut, cut them there, I, Shelton is gone. Um, Deshaun Hand is staying right now if he can prove and, and manage those injuries. I would be more than happy to see Han State. I think he's got talent. I just we just need him to stay healthy because other than, otherwise he's he's just being paid to sit there doing nothing. Um Julian Aquara, I he he's staying. Um not only is he staying just because I think he's he, he's obviously not been uh, not been around this year through injury. He's obviously had a bit of a struggle, but I think he's got talent. Someone that, again, if he manages his injury this year, be all right. Be good to have him. Maybe playing in in a bit more of a rookie role. Still seeing him coming, maybe on third downs, coming in, playing a bit part, getting into it. But there's a, another big reason I want to keep him. I think we all know where I'm going with it. Um, Carnell is staying. Um, I'm not doing too much apart from Shelton, realistically, and maybe Atkins, but I, I, I'm umming and ahhing over it. It's not really much to save, 780,000. Feels really weird saying that, but you know, it, it's not much in the, in this instance. It's just not enough. Um, and, and having that depth there would be helpful. The reason I'm keeping Julian Aquara um, is because he will be leveraged for us. In, in in a scenario I'm going to talk about very soon. Yeah, it, it sounds like you're on the same wavelength as us there with the defensive line group. I think it's more a case of let's hope they go through. Ryan, I know there's been no bigger supporter of Deshaun Hand over the years than you, hoping he breaks. So are you still hopeful there's something there or do you think we now need to move on and make some different investments in this D-line? 
Yeah, it's getting to. Uh, I think they all come back. Actually, to be honest, with you, I think that they're all going to get a good look at. Um, I think uh, even even Sheldon is going to get a good look at in in training camp to see uh, what's uh, going to happen with him. I, I I don't think he's actually a terrible player at all, but uh, I ain't got too much of a problem with him. But um, yeah, Deshaun Hand, you know, I don't know, man. It's just not. It doesn't. It, the body doesn't seem to be allowing him to do it. Unfortunately, it happens to a lot of people. But fingers crossed that will change. Um, and I'm willing to stick with him for one more year. Um, uh, let's just see how it goes. But uh, I'm not expecting too much um, changes here. Yeah, no, I agree there. And I think yeah, it's a big year for that whole 2017 draft class. Now, Tracy Walker, Kerry on Johnson, Deshaun Hand. Guys have got to start showing their potential quick because we all know they could be three really good players and following Ragnell and Crosby's footsteps and becoming big parts of this team. That you know, if they all progress, that could end up being a cracking draft for us. So I'm hoping that all three of them do step to it this year. Um, right, we'll move on to the final group now. Um, defensive end group. I appreciate we've been going through this a while now. So thanks for staying with us during this. So next, as it stands currently, Everson Griffin. I think he's made it very clear that he wants off elsewhere, but for now, you know, still a possibility for next year. Um, Nick Williams in there, Trey Flowers, who we've missed a lot due to injury, Romeo Aquara, do we tag him? Do we give him a contract? Does he go? And the other Bryant, Austin, who again missed a lot of time through injury. Um, I'll start with you, Aaron, on this one. Um, so I know you want to talk about Romeo a little bit. Where do you see the edge unit been this year? Do you want new edges or? Are we good with what we got? And would you try and get Griffin back if you could? All of you to assume I've got anything to say about Romeo Aquara. Um, no, I think I'm, I will. I'll get to Romeo Aquara at the end of this. Griffin, yeah. Thought he was great while he was there. Really enjoyed having him. But uh, yeah, if you don't want to be here, goodbye. Um, I think before I kind of get onto the carry on with this I want to, I do want to turn around and say and this is something that I'm not going to understate at all over this off season if a player doesn't want to be here go I mean, we're not in a position anymore of begging people to stay we're in a position right now of you're going to be here we, you want people here that want to be here and that's the first step in bringing people through the door do they want to be here but for me, so for me, if Griffin wants to go, if Griffin doesn't want to be here, see you later. Um, I, I, I don't want him here if he's not going to be, if he doesn't want to be here. Williams, um, it's a good little cap save. It, it What, 4.7 million. But I'm going to keep him there because as it stands, Everson Griffin's gone. Uh, and I'm going to keep hold of him for now. Trey Flowers, he's staying. Um, I, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm keeping Trey Flowers. I think what he has to offer for us uh, is a lot more than what we've seen. And what we've seen so far has been good. Um, I, I, I've been very happy with what I've seen from him so far. but I, And I think he's got more to offer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Brian, I'm... I, I'm I'm happy if he goes. I'm happy if he goes. I, I, I'll, I'll have him leave. And then Romeo Aquara. I want Julian Aquara here for his for, for this point in leverage in the fact that he is who I'm tagging this year. 
Um, it was a choice between him or Jared Davis, and um, I've gone with Romeo Aquara, obviously. Uh, no, it wasn't really, but I'm going. I'm going with Romeo Aquara. I think um, f- for us right now, at the age he's at, I think that the value out there for what we can get at defensive tackle is not going to be matched in what we can get in Romeo Aquara in terms of value for the money that we can will pay. I understand that the cap hit, he is not at the value of the cap hit. And compared to Golladay, his value against the cap compared to Golladay's is not as good. Golladay is far more valuable to that tag value than Romeo Aquara is. But I think in the long term, in building and keeping certain areas of the team, I feel like in the long term, that's going to be more valuable. Um, unless, you know, unless you're managing to find JJ Watt coming in or someone like that, but I don't think he's going to even want to touch Detroit right now. Um, it, Steelers might be the place that he, he's going to go. But yeah, uh, I, I'm tagging Romeo Aquara, using his brother as leverage throughout the next year. Um not in a horrible way, by the way, not like holding Julian to ransom. But, you know, I, I want to see him using the fact that you get to play with your brother, grow with your brother and potentially win a championship with your brother in a couple of years um, and use that to to entice Romeo to stay on a relatively team-friendly deal that rewards um, not just a season he's just had, but if he continues to perform, that's two seasons in a row that he's had that is very good. And if he... If he grafts, then he could be very much be worth one of those top contracts, um, and we can understand better where he's at as uh, as as a defensive edge and where he's going to be standing in front of some of the league's best at the time. Yeah, I agree. I think we all want to see Romeo back with us next year if a good deal can be sorted. Matt, it's a been quite a long evening with a lot of intriguing conversation about next year's roster finish finish yours off for us this defensive edge group all right you're going to do with it defensive end uh griffin not returning he's no interest in returning i've no interest in returning him he did fine but never mind uh williams i'm cutting him it's too rich of a cap saving to keep him on i don't think he played so well that i want him to be here really badly so he can go Trey Flowers, I think you have to keep him. There's a fair cap saving, four and a half million if you cut him the post first of June. But he is a terrific defensive end. Whether he plays at um, at three, four, five, six, seven tech, so you know he's a very versatile guy in the run and and pressures on the edge. So he's got to stay. I would do the same as Aaron and try and get Romeo to re-sign on a team for any deal, having kept Julian. I'd like to keep Austin Bryant. I think that for his $1 million a year deal, that he's good value, even if he doesn't see the field that much, that he's performed fairly well when he's been on the field. I would also take a draft pick here as well. I would take the defensive end from Vanderbilt at number 88, Deo Odingbo. Um, He is a guy who... It's suggested, although he plays on the end of the line at college, that he's actually more suited to being played slightly inside, maybe in a sort of similar role to hand. 
or maybe in a similar role to flowers as flowers kind of suits playing inside as well. Um, but that would back up the team overall and another little bit of young talent. I think it's a sort of area that you've got to try and keep hitting on because the contract value, if you do, for what you get at a cheap value compared to what you have to pay them when they're a vet is so high that they're worth a late round punt. Yeah, no, that's, that, that sounds about right, really. I've, I've done quite similar there. Um, Griffin, like I said, he played really well for us, but again, it's another one who's really apparent that he wants to go somewhere that's a bit more of a contender and we don't really need those players around the team at the minute. Williams cut in pre-June, I think it just makes sense given the value that you get from that and what he produces. Flowers, Bryant coming back, Aquara, team-friendly deal. Hopefully we can sort something in the seven, eight million a year bracket. I think I'd be comfortable with that if it was for a few years, maybe with some incentives in there. And I've also dealt, I've delved twice into the draft for this. Um, in the third round, Edge from Pittsburgh, Rashard Weaver. He's a guy with a great pass rush in Arsenal. They are movement to be able to create separation, elite speed off the block. He's really explosive, although the one part of his game is it does fizzle out very quickly, but he's a guy who wins his battles and gets to the QB. So for me, I think, you know, we need one of those explosive guys on the line who can do that. And then I've picked up Dylan Hayes, who's a in, from the fifth round, and he's an edge from Notre Dame. I got to see him a little bit last year because I did watch Notre, a few Notre Dame games, and they were a very good side until uh, until they reached the, uh, the latter stages. Um, he's a hybrid pass rusher. He can attack the line of scrimmage very well. He wins a lot of his battles there. And one of the big complaints we had last year was how we weren't getting in tackles at the line of scrimmage, how people were bullying us, getting those extra four or five yards after contact. There was just no one who could get there and cause a disruption to stop that from happening. And he is a big battler at the point of attack. We desperately need that. And he's a fifth round guy. Yes, he's more of a high ceiling and a high floor guy. But when you pick in there, I think that's the risk you take. And he fits, he fits the mold of what we need. So, yeah, I'd have two guys in there from the draft to bolster that up and hopefully with Flowers and Aquara we'll have a good edge unit last year um, Ryan is there anything you want to add about the edge unit is there anyone you want to see or do you want to get Griffin back how are you feeling on that yeah uh, just to finish it off uh, kind of agree with you I think that they're going to I mean how I see it going um, is I fancy that there'll be multiple picks picked up in the draft in this position probably in and around the same area as you said third, fifth, four, third, fourth, fifth kind of rounds a um, lot of good players available in free agency this year if they're not tagged or whatever by their teams but um, some really good talent there always is in this area uh, Carl Lawson if you wanted to make a splash in free agency I'd be happy with him if we could get him on um, a really good deal um, to go alongside uh, um Keep it Aquarius, uh, but yeah, you know, I think that they they'll do everything they can to keep him. He's got his a uh, number on him. I don't, I wouldn't be uh, wasting any money on him. I think that it, you know it's got to be done uh, for the right deal for everyone, uh, with all things considered, and uh, with with the cap being cut a little bit this year. Everson Griffin, I mean, you know, personally, I would like to see him stay if it can be done for the right deal as well. Um, you know. He, 
he came in and he he, he put the pressure on the, the opposition quarterback um, and done a good job while he was there, you know, all things considered. So I was happy with his production. And this is this is a vital, vital position again for us to get corrected in this off-season. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, excited about it. Like I say, these kind of players, um, you know, I love to watch. So, uh to see them go and hit a quarterback is great. So hopefully we go and pick up a couple of these. Well, keep one and then pick up another one and then maybe bring through another one in the uh, draft. That'd be fantastic and that make me very happy. Yes, I think the one thing we are due in Detroit is having an edge rush that you are excited about. And like, yeah, we're going to get after the quarterback. We're going to get some hits on there because we've not necessarily had that in recent years. The same with the secondary. It would just be nice to see a lockdown secondary like I mean you saw the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl wow they just completely shackled a monster offense mainly through that secondary and their pass rush so yeah it's it's going to be great hopefully you know now that we've got Dan Campbell here we're going to see similar to that going forwards um right so we've got through all the positions there I appreciate that's been a bit of a a bit of a long one, but I do appreciate all the feedback. I think we've had a lot of good chatter in there. Is there anything else anyone wants to put in in regards to anyone they want to see? Any final comments on there? I think, Aaron, do you want to have a word? No, not about anyone specific, but I've got this feeling that the defence are going to try and work from the, uh, the backfield up to the line instead of in reverse. I've just got this feeling that the defensive backs are going to be the first positions or to, to kind of really be looked at, evaluated. And if you're going to kind of do a sweep of the team, particularly on defence, the, the, that's where it's going to get the first lot of genuine, serious reinforcement. Um, it might be to do with Aaron Glenn being a defensive back coach traditionally, but... I. I feel like again with with the corners being so oh, I can't think of the word. Um just not so uninspiring. I'm just gonna use I'm gonna use that so uninspiring, so uh, so much of a, a bit of a letdown. Just we thought they were gonna be this and they just weren't they weren't awful. They weren't great. They were just a bit of a letdown. The safeties have been terrible, particularly this year. The safeties have just been terrible. I think getting Aaron Glenn in is great, but also I think that that is literally that is the area that's just going to get the most reinforcement or the, the, the first lot of reinforcement because Aaron Glenn knows how to work with that. Aaron Glenn knows how to fix and get that working so that. I guess it, it, if you've got that right now that's working, it helps the defensive line because while nobody is getting free, while your coverage is doing really well, it gives the, 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 the defensive line and, and the linebackers that little bit more time, that little bit more, uh, th- those little bit more availabilities to be able to get in. Um, so I, it's not really a comment on anyone specifically. It's just how I, I just think, if I see the way they're going to build this defense, if they are really going in for it for a build, I believe that that I, I, I've just got a feeling that's the way they're going to do it. From safeties to corners to linebackers to defensive line, not the other way around or not sporadically. Well, to quickly pick up on that, I'll 
I'll say if, if we are looking towards next year, I really, really think we need to look at the run defense first and foremost. You look at the teams we're playing. I mean, you've got the Browns, the Ravens, Seahawks. You've got a lot of run-heavy teams there. So I would like to see a big amount of investment be put in that. Otherwise, we are literally going to get run over <laughs> as the season goes. But it, it's one of those. It's going to be a really, really intriguing offseason. There's so much to sort out here. There's so many ways we can do it, and I don't think anyone's going to be able to correctly predict the way we go. Um, anything else from you guys in regards to next year? No, like they say, it's it's been very good to have this chat just to see where we're all at there. It's um, I think there's been a lot of good stuff in there. Um, I know some of the rosters weren't finished, but when they are, I haven't asked him yet, but because we do have the world's greatest editor, designer extraordinaire here on Aaron, I'm going to see if he will create some nice little uh, posters for us, which we can put our predicted squads on for next year. And he can uh, we can post them up on social media and people can agree or disagree about what we've put on. But uh, I'll have to ask him very nicely, but he's a really good guy, so I hope he does. But anyhow, I'll uh, I'll pass it back on to you now, Matt. If that's it. And once again, thank you everyone for listening. To that I hope you know we've got a lot of that there. It's we've had a lot of good uh, things to discuss. So yeah, I'll uh, I'll pass that back over. Fantastic. Right, good stuff, boys. Our next episode will be this time next week on Tuesday, twenty third of February, free agency part one. Um, I think we're going to be looking in more detail about the people that we think are going to be leaving the Lions. What we've done now is kind of a a very quick snapshot of a first impressions of what we think might happen, but a little bit more time to look at who we might think goes and why. Uh, progressing from there, we'll be then looking at offensive people coming in and defence and special teams coming in. Um, it is worthy of noting that the free agency legal tampering period starts in 27 days' time, less than four weeks to go until we can sign free agents. So it's not long to go. All right. Our socials, Facebook. Sorry, Aaron. Do you want to say something? Um, yeah, but while you're on that, the oh, where's it gone now? The franchise tag, uh, uh, the dates uh, and and whatever to to finalise whether you can tag someone. Yeah, yeah, is in the neck is in about a week's time. Is it? it opens in a week's time, and you've got 15 days. I believe it, I think it's 15 days to be able to, to to get your franchise tags in there. Um, I'm just double checking now because I've lost my article that says it in when the official date it starts. 23rd of February, which is in a week until March the, the 9th. That's the one. Um, so while we go through, we've got the offense and the defense in free agency. I think it's going to be one of the toughest decisions that they have to make this year. The um, and probably probably the toughest decision to make: Golladay or Aquara, potentially. Um, but we will know in the next couple of weeks who's being franchise tagged. But I also have this inkling feeling again that one will be known already. Just within the, the franchise or they'll have their guy who they're franchise tagging if they if, if, if both of them haven't already signed a deal. Um, but 
I reckon over the next couple of, I'd say over, over them couple of weeks, we'll know who's being franchise tagged and who's just, and whether the other one or both of them are getting, getting deals or whether they're being allowed to walk. And that, in my opinion, will probably change everything for us. And that we will understand so much about the intentions of this year, the roster that we'll have, and where we go from here will depend so much on these next couple of weeks and who gets franchised and whether the other one leaves or gets a contract. Yeah. It's very, very true. It's all happening in these next weeks and months. Um, right. Wrapping it up, our social media accounts on Facebook, we are Detroit Lions Fans UK One Pride Worldwide, on Twitter, RTL underscore UK, on Instagram, RTL.UK, on the web, RoyalLionsUK.com. Look out for some new blogs. They will be coming soon. Don't f- uh, forget to subscribe and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and your podcast provider. Be much appreciated by us. We um, obviously do this as a hobby, but to get some good feedback or even constructive feedback, we'd be delighted to hear from you. Remains for me to thank my co-hosts, Ryan, Martin, Ant and Aaron. I'm Matthew Turner. We'll see you next week. Let's go, Lions. One pride. Pride. One pride.